Well, good morning, New City Church. Great to see all of you here across our campuses and online today. If you're joining online, we're really grateful to have you as well. Last week, I was officiating a wedding, so I haven't been back to share with you the great news about our first Idlewild Campus interest meeting. We packed the house at our Matthews East Campus. We had 250 people there uh, for our first interest meeting to worship and to pray for this new endeavor that God is calling us to in the Idlewild neighborhood. And we just had an exciting time being together and praying and worshiping and sharing a lot of updates and information and key dates as well. And so I just wanna encourage all of us together, New City Church, that uh, we'd be praying uh, for what God's calling us to in the Idlewild area for that neighborhood. And also, if you're interested in being a part of that individually as your family, you can be. There's lots of opportunities for you to come and be a part of it. You can go to our website, and under the events tab, you can sign up for the Idlewild launch team emails. So that'll just put you on a list to get all the information and updates on a regular basis. And you can do that through the app as well. I really want to encourage you that. There's a lot that we have to do between now and our launch date. And I'm really excited this morning for the first time to announce that our launch date is going to be October the 27th. So the last Sunday in October, October 27th will be Ottawa Campus Launch Day. And even if uh, you would say, hey, I'm not sure I'm going to be there. My family's uh, plugged in already at one of our other campuses. Maybe you would make plans to be there that day, 10 a.m., October 27th. We're going to have a great time of worship and just launching that campus and celebrating all that God is going to do there and just trusting the Lord together. So very excited for that. Uh, I wanna give my voice as well to our back to school project, our school spirit back to school project. Um, This weekend is the final weekend that we're collecting gift cards for teachers. We're also collecting monetary gifts for school supplies. Uh, Just the scope of this project, uh, there's 2,700 CMS students that will be affected by this project at three different schools. So it's an awesome opportunity for us today, New City, to kind of be the hands and feet of Jesus and our public school system. And really, the launching of Idlewild goes all the way back to us coming there and serving and just being available. And so uh, God uses this in so many incredible ways. And I just want to encourage you, if you haven't been able to give, uh, this weekend is the last weekend we're collecting. We'd love for you to do that. I think we've collected like 20,000. Our goal was 25. So we're close. And thank you guys for your generosity. And, and again, if you're feeling led, um, put us over the edge today uh, in, in our project. We'd love for you to do that. Also, we'd love for you to come this week and to pray over all the school supplies. And we're going to load them up and send them out to our three schools, Carmel Middle School, Idlewild Elementary School, Greenway Park Elementary School. We're going to be doing that from our central offices, which is located at 931 Industrial Drive. And would love for you to come and, and be a part of that, just to pray over all the school supplies as they're loaded up and, and sent out to the different schools. That's going to be Thursday morning, August 22nd, Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. And if you could RSVP, that would be great. You can bring kids. Uh, we just want to know how many people are coming. Uh, so you can email us. Here's the email address. You guys ready? Serve at newcity.us. Serve at newcity.us. That's our serve email address. It'll just let our serve team know that you're coming. They want to be prepared. We're doing donuts. We're doing coffee. So now I got your attention. Donuts and coffee (laughs) Thursday morning. A great way to just come and pray over all the school supplies, but also maybe to meet some people from different campuses across New City um, as we share in this uh, amazing, amazing project together. Last thing for me today, baptisms. Next week, we're going to be baptizing a lot of people I think there's 30 plus people across the New City campuses that are being baptized. So yeah, it's gonna be awesome. 
So baptism is this public expression. It's this public declaration of this decision that we've made to follow Jesus and accept his new life, the new that never gets old. So baptism becomes this great declaration of our purpose as a church to, to bring gospel renewal to the city and world. And that starts right here in our church. So Baptisms are happening next weekend, Saturday and Sunday, the 24th and 25th, across all of our campuses. And I just want to encourage each and every one of you to be here next weekend and to be encouraging all of our folks who are being baptized, because this is a great moment for us to share as a church family, um, not only for those individuals being baptized, but as a family together to celebrate the faith that's come to them and the declaration they're making. And we want to pray over them as a family and, and just be there to celebrate them, right? Okay, so next weekend, be here for baptisms at New City. Let's pray together. Father, we do give you praise, we give you thanks, we give you glory, we give you honor for all that you're doing, for all that you've done, and for who you are. And God, I do pray today for my friends who are hurting, especially for those who might feel disappointed or, or maybe confused, for those who bring some anger into the room this morning, for those who might be watching that are... Um, just turn sideways on a situation or a relationship, not sure what you're doing, God, I pray that you would be close to the brokenhearted among us as you've promised to be and that you would make yourself real to each of us and you would help us to know that you're with us and you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us. What an incredible promise, Jesus. As we come to your word again, would you speak to us as you've promised to do? Your word never returns void in our lives. So may you accomplish every good work that you want to in our hearts today, and we give you the glory for it. And all God's people said together, amen, amen. amen. So we've been on a journey, right, through the book of Acts together, and we're in the final installment of this journey entitled Sent. And we're looking specifically at Acts chapters 13 all the way to the end of chapter 28. And today we find ourselves in Acts chapter 16. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, I want to encourage you to open to Acts chapter 16. If you need a copy of the scriptures, we have one for you across all of our campuses. We want it to be our gift to you. If you have your phone, you can pull up the app and the scriptures are already preloaded there. So as you're turning to Acts 16, let me just give a little bit of scope to our series. Again, we started in Acts 13 and we covered 13 and 14, the first missionary journey. And then last week, let me just say thank you to, to Davis and to Travis and to Justin uh, for preaching an awesome Awesome sermon. Uh, they covered the last part of Acts chapter 15 and the, the disagreement that Paul and Barnabas had with one another. And I listened to all three in a row, which was really cool because it was the same series, the same text, and they said so many of the same things, but yet the Holy Spirit spoke in some unique ways through all three of them. So if, you, if, you, you know, if, you're, if you're looking for something to do, go listen to all three from last week. And it was a lot of fun to listen to them preach. We, we're so blessed here at New City to have so many incredible preachers, and I'm so grateful for that and for, for their messages last week. So today we're in Acts chapter 16, and we'll continue our series, Sent, this final scope of, of Jesus's instruction to his disciples to go into all the world, to Jerusalem, starting Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and then all the ends of the earth. And Sent, this final installment, is really about that last part, into all the, the areas and the ends of the earth, and all these missionary journeys as the disciples take the gospel of Jesus into all the world. So let's jump into Acts 16. And our text today is going to be Acts 16, verses 1 through 10. So again, just kind of turn there. That's where we're going today. But let me start by reading the first five verses. Let me start with a little bit of context. Acts 16, verses 1 through 5. Ready? All right, here we go. 
Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Verse 3, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. May God bless the reading of his word to each of you. Let's start with a little bit of context here, and let's go one chapter back to chapter 15, verse 36. I've got it on the screens for you. After some days, Luke wrote, after some days, Paul and Barnabas, uh, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord, and let's see how they are. So the scope of this second missionary journey that's going to begin today in chapter 16, the scope of it at the end of chapter 15 is Paul saying to Barnabas, his previous partner in the first missionary journey, let's go back to the previous places that we visited on the first missionary journey to those different cities, and let's do what? Let's check in with them and see how they're doing, how they're growing in the Lord, how they're strengthening as churches. Let's check in on them. That's the context for what's happening here. But we know at the end of chapter 15, we heard in our messages last week, that Paul and Barnabas have a disagreement, a sharp disagreement, and it's over John Mark. Paul doesn't want to take John Mark with them on this second missionary journey, and Barnabas does. So they go their separate ways. And as Justin and Travis and Davis reminded us, actually the work of the Lord multiplies through this because Barnabas takes John Mark and they go on a journey, and then we follow the journey of Paul and Silas, this other man that he invites into the journey with him. And so they begin their second missionary journey here in Acts chapter 16, having been commended again to the grace of the Lord by whom? The church at Antioch. Antioch, once again, is the sending church. Let's be Antioch, New City Church. The sending church out into their city and into the world, to the very ends of the world. These guys weren't mavericks. They weren't doing this on their own. The church was sending them out. So that's a little bit of context here. And with that second missionary journey, this, this second work of sending out, comes a new team, right? There's a new team. But before I get there, let me just show you a map just so you guys can get in your mind's eye. I know a lot of you are visual learners. Look at the map here of the second missionary journey that we're beginning here in Acts chapter 16. And a couple things that I want to point out very quickly here, again, just under context. The second missionary journey covers almost three times the amount of geographical space as the first missionary journey. So they're going to a much broader area. They're going to old territories and cities where they've been, but of course they're going to new places as well. The scope, biblically, it begins at the end of chapter 15 with Paul and Barnabas talking together and trying to figure out who's going to come on this team. And then it ends at the end of chapter 18. So these three chapters comprise the second missionary journey. And it covers, again, a lot of new places and, and Greek uh, cities that you've probably heard of before, Philippi and Berea and Thessalonica and Athens and Corinth. A lot of these places that are written about in the New Testament are reached for the very first time on the second missionary journey right here. And in fact, this is really cool, in the second missionary journey, we actually go on to a brand new continent, the continent of Europe. 
as they cross the Aegean Sea from Troas to Macedonia, they're actually stepping foot for the first time recorded, bringing the gospel of Jesus to a brand new continent, to the continent of Europe. And with this new journey, this, this second work of grace of sending out comes a new team. As I mentioned before, we have Silas, and that's recorded at the end of chapter 15. But let's just take a moment and get to know our brother Silas. We actually read about him in chapter 15, verse 22, when the decision is made at the Council of Jerusalem and the letter is written by James, who's the leader of the church at Jerusalem. They send Barnabas, they send Paul, but they also send, look at verse 22, chapter, uh, chapter 15, they send a man named Silas, who was a leader at the church at Jerusalem. So we know that Silas was a prophet, that he was a leader, he was a great teacher, he was a great preacher. And actually the church commissioned him to take the letter back to Antioch. We also know that he was an enthusiastic supporter of the Apostle Paul, and that's important. He's a cheerleader of Paul's. He's been with him in Antioch, ministering and teaching and building up that church. Interestingly and importantly, Silas, this new teammate for the second missionary journey, was also a Roman citizen. Why is that important? Because this second missionary journey is going to be covering much of the Roman Empire. So Paul was a Roman citizen, and now his partner Silas is a Roman citizen as well. So different doors are going to be open in different places because of that. Silas, interestingly, is also mentioned as the author of two New Testament books, co-author that is. The two letters to the church at Thessalonica that carry their name, Thessalonians, Silas is a co-author with Paul of those letters. That's pretty cool. He's a great guy. And then the other teammate, our new team here, Paul and Silas, and then they pick up a, a young man named Timothy. And he doesn't start the journey, but they pick him up in a place called Lystra, which was his hometown. Now, interestingly, if you think back in the map here, on the first missionary journey, they start in Antioch both times. They start in the city of Antioch. They're sent out from there. But on the first missionary journey, they go down clockwise, on the second missionary journey, they go counterclockwise. They start going north, and they go to uh, Paul's hometown of Tarsus, and then they go to Lystra, and then they go to Derbe, and then they go to Iconium. In Lystra, a, a young man named Timothy had come to faith, and guess how he came to faith? This is pretty cool. He came to faith during the first missionary journey, and his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois also came to faith. And so this is sort of a second generation now, not only a second work, the second missionary journey, but this is a second generation of people who have been reached for Jesus. And here's a really cool application for each of us, church. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been reached by the grace of Jesus, guess, guess what your calling and purpose is to do chiefly now? To go and reach other people. Reached people, reach people. Loved people, love people. And we see that happening here. Timothy has been reached. His life has been radically changed by the gospel of Jesus. And now he's actually going to join this second work, this second missionary journey as a member of the team, as a leader to go and reach other people. And that's really, really cool. Listen to these words that Paul wrote to Timothy because Paul had a very special mentor relationship with Timothy, Timothy that carried on for many years. And, and all of you know that Timothy became a powerhouse leader, second generation leader in the church. Listen to these words. I pulled this from 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul writes to Timothy years later. He says, Timothy, my beloved child, my beloved child, I'm reminded, I, I remember, I remember the sincere faith of your grandmother, Lois, and I remember the sincere faith of your mother, Eunice, and I trust now that you have the same faith as well. 
I wrote here in my notes, God bless praying mothers and grandmothers. You got a praying mama, a praying grandmother, you're toast. <laughs> Timothy is, is really a, a product, if you will, of his mother's faith, of his grandmother's faith, and they're faithful to pass that on to him, and now he possesses that same sincere faith and he's gonna go and lead. Uh, before I move on past this passage, there, there's, there's an issue here that kind of arises that when people get into chapter 16, they have a question about it, and I don't want to just walk by it. Let's take a couple minutes and, minutes and talk about what happens in verse 3. Because the scripture says here in Acts chapter 16 that as they're forming this new team, as they're on their second missionary journey, that Paul wants Timothy to accompany him, and he takes him and he circumcises him. Because of the Jews, because he knows that in the places that he's going, those people will be there. And you kind of go, if, if you're reading that, you might scratch your head and sort of go, now, wait a second. Two weeks ago when we were in Acts 15, the issue arose of, of people coming and teaching legalists saying that you had to be circumcised and moreover, you had to keep all of the law of Moses if you wanted to be a true Christian. And that issue uh, finds itself at the, at the feet of the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem at, at what's known as the Jerusalem Council, and they debate this issue. And what's the issue, guys? Do you remember? Do we have to have, add anything to the completed work of Jesus? Is Jesus really enough? And I taught the whole equation, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But Jesus plus something equals nothing. When we actually try to add to the completed work of Jesus on the cross, we're taking away from Jesus. So they settle that at the Council of Jerusalem. They make that decision. They write a letter. They tell everybody about it. That's part of the scope of what's happening in the second missionary journey is them going and telling people about this. So why in the world would Paul take Timothy, this young leader who's a Christian, and now he demands that he be, be circumcised? Well, we know that Timothy's father was a Greek and his mother was a Jew. So under the Mosaic law, that made him a Jew. And we learn a little bit here. The question is sort of answered for us in verse 3. It was because of the Jews and specifically who were going to be in those places for they all knew that Timothy's father was a Greek. So the reason why Paul does this is for mission. I heard one preacher say one time that Paul wanted to make sure that Timothy had some skin in the game. Is that good? I thought about cutting that out, but I didn't. Paul models for us some great responsibility, okay? Don't miss this. Paul models for us, if you're a believer of Jesus in here, he models for us in this passage some great responsibility because what he's not saying is that, oh, now Jesus isn't enough. That's not what he's saying at all. That's been decided. Jesus is enough. What he's modeling is the responsibility that we have as brothers and sisters, as believers in Jesus, to be sensitive towards other people, particularly people groups that we're trying to reach with the gospel. In other words, Paul doesn't want to fight about non-essentials. So he's trying to remove every obstacle that he can to reach his audience. He wants to be a bridge to connect with others in a winsome way to proclaim the good news that Jesus is enough. You'll remember that Paul always started in synagogues. When he went to new cities, he always went where there was a gathering of Jews, and he preached the Jew first that Jesus is enough. And again, those same Jews, they know Timothy, and it could have been a stumbling block. So he wants to remove any kind of stumbling block. It's a missional statement here. 
Don Carson gives an example about this. Don Carson is a brilliant theologian. He teaches New Testament at Trinity uh, Evangelical Seminary. And he talks about this passage, and he actually equates it to the issue among evangelical Christians now, maybe of drinking alcohol. And this is not a statement about, you know, whether it's right or wrong, but Don uses it as a modern-day example of what Paul is doing in this passage. And I wanted to read it to you. He says, if I was going to go preach the gospel to a group of people or a culture that does not drink, that they, they forbid that, and that, that was a, a taboo thing, no big deal. I'm not going to drink alcohol with that group of people that I'm trying to preach Jesus to. To the drinkless, I became drinkless in order that I might win the drinkless. But if someone tells me, Don, you can't be a Christian and drink alcohol, I will say, pass the port because I will not jeopardize the exclusive sufficiency of Christ alone. Jesus is enough. And what Paul is modeling here for us is that mission matters most. Mission matters most. And what is the mission? The mission is Jesus and his good news and people. And as much as it uh, lies with us, we want to remove every obstacle between people that need to know Jesus and the good news of Jesus. That's what Paul is modeling here, here for us, a missional decision to reach people. And again, back to the purpose of this whole journey. Look at verses four and five. The whole reason for this was to, to go to cities, cities where they had been in on the first missionary journey, but cities that they were going to go into, new territory, and to do what? To deliver the good news of Jesus, specifically, look at verse four, by delivering to them the decision that had been made in Jerusalem. And what was the decision that had been made in Jerusalem? That Jesus is enough. You don't need to add anything to the completed work of the cross. So they wanted to deliver that decision. And look what happens as they go and deliver that decision. Look at verse 5. And this is a theme all throughout the book of Acts. The churches were strengthened in their faith. The churches are built up in their existing faith. And they increased in numbers daily. More people were coming into the church. That's what the gospel does. When we lift up Jesus, when he is high and lifted up, he draws people to himself. He draws believers to himself. We're reminded of our own faith in the gospel. We're strengthened in our faith. And he draws new people to the faith. And in this way, the missionary journey, you need to see this. The missionary journey was both for believers. It was for discipleship, if you will, to strengthen the existing faith. And it was also for non-believers, for evangelism, to, to invite people into a relationship with Jesus. And the same is true for us today. So let's go into the second part of the passage. There's some context and teaching for what's happened in this second missionary journey. Let's, let's, let's go on the journey with Paul and Silas and Timothy and, and, and see what happens next here. Look at verses 6 through 10. 6 through 10. I've entitled this, No, No, Wait, Go. And you're going to see why. Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. Let me read it to you. And they went. Who went? This second missionary team, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, and having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and when they came up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Verse 8, so passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10, and when Paul had seen the vision, 
Immediately, if you're writing your Bibles or underlining or highlighting your phones, highlight that. Immediately, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So they've left Antioch. They go to some of the cities where they've gone to on the first missionary journey. They're, they're going north. They go to Tarsus. They go to Lystra. They go to Derby. They go to Iconium. They go to the other Antioch. And now they're into new territory. And what does the scripture say? Look at verse 6. They want to turn left. And they want to go down into the region of Asia toward Ephesus and preach the gospel in a place they had not before to these new people. And what does God say when they try to turn left and go south? No. The Holy Spirit says No. So they keep walking, and then they try to turn right and go north towards an area called Bithynia, which was in the northern region of Asia, and they want to preach the gospel there to a new group of people. But the Spirit of Christ, which is another name for the Holy Spirit, says what? No, you're not going right. So they keep walking. Let's put the map up again. They keep walking after they leave Antioch. They try to go left down to, to Ephesus, to the southern region of Asia. Then they keep, the, the, uh, the Holy Spirit says no. Then they try to turn right and go up towards Bithynia. The Holy Spirit says no. So they keep walking. And the distance between Antioch and Troas is 400 miles. To put that in some modern day scope, that's Charlotte, our hometown, to Washington, D.C. Anybody ready for a walk today? 400 miles, and they don't stop. That's recorded here in the scripture to preach the gospel in any of the cities or places along the way. This is an exercise in absolute trust in the guidance of the Holy Spirit to order each of their steps. The psalmist says it so many times, Lord, would you order my steps? What a great prayer for us. Every step that I take, would it be the step that you want me to take? And they try to go left, and the Holy Spirit says no. And they try to go right, and the Holy Spirit says no. So they just keep walking. And here's a wonderful application. Everybody watch this for each of us straight from the Scripture. When God says no, because for some of you in your life right now, I'm sure the Lord is saying no to something, a relationship, a job, an opportunity, and God just keeps closing the door and saying no. So if I wasn't supposed to go this way, then a lot of times we just go the opposite way. So we'll just go right. God must be calling me over here. And God says to them, no, closes another door. So what do we do when God says, no, no, what do we do? We keep walking. We keep walking. We keep taking steps. And what God has already clearly called us to do, God had already clearly called them to the second missionary journey. They were commissioned out from Antioch to go. But when they tried to go left, God said no. When they tried to go right, God said no. So they keep walking. So here's the application. Everybody watch this. When God is saying no to you, when you're knocking on the door, when you're trying to go left, when you're trying to go right, and God just keeps closing doors, you keep walking in the way that God has already cleared you to walk. That he's called you in that way. When we want to know what God is saying, what do we do, church? We go back to what God has said. When we want to know what God is doing, we go back to what God has already done because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. In a world that's constantly changing, he doesn't change. So just some real practical application because I know so, so many of you are in this place along your journey where God's saying no to going this way and maybe he's saying no to going that way and it just feels like you're getting no and no and no and what do I do? You keep walking with what God has clearly already called you to do. 
Do you know that God spoke to Abraham five different times throughout the course of his life? Five times, that's all. So Abraham kept going back to God's last word to him. I'm going to keep walking, God, until you reveal otherwise. Because you called me to this. You told me to do this. So I'm going to keep walking and being faithful until you reveal otherwise. But what comes after these two no's? It gets even better, guys. What comes after verse 6 and 7, the two no's? Wait. That's even harder sometimes, isn't it? And I've got to Wait. And they waited a place called Troas, a port city on the Aegean Sea. And Troas was a very, very important city because most of the journeys uh, from Asia over to Europe came through Troas. So they're literally in this hub. They're in this, this port city waiting. And here's the deal, guys. Everybody watch this because some of you are in a season of your life right now where you're waiting. And maybe God isn't speaking clearly to you. You're waiting on God to speak. You're confused. You're frustrated. Some of you are angry in here right now. But here's the deal. When you're waiting on the Lord, everyone watch this. Waiting time is never wasted time. When you're waiting on the Lord, waiting time is never, ever wasted time. And sometimes, in fact, oftentimes, the gateway to God's yes in your life comes through so many divine no's and waits. How many of you in your life right now can look back and go, thank you, Jesus, for not answering that prayer yes that I prayed? Because <laughs> I would have ended up over here, or I would have ended up with this person, and I just thought, I just knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that you were calling me to this place, and you said no, you said no, you said wait, and it was worth it. It was worth it. For those of you who are waiting right now, take heart. Waiting time is never wasted time. The Lord sees you. The Lord is working in you. And oftentimes, God has to work in us to prepare us for what he wants to do through us. And running ahead of God, getting ahead of God, is not going to bring about God's great purposes and mission for your life. Some of you right now are looking at other people in your peer group, and you're going, man, they're getting married. They're having kids. They've got a career. They, they seem to have everything going for them, and time's ticking away from me, and I, I don't feel like anything that, I, that, that the Lord has promised me is coming to pass. Waiting time is not wasted time. And God's yes in your life oftentimes comes through many, many, many no's. Trust God. Put your faith in him. Put your hope in him. For some of you, you need to renew and rededicate yourself to him today, to trust him that he sees you, that he loves you, that he's with you, that he's for you, that he has a purpose, and God is never late. He's never late. God's purposes for your life are always, always, always on time, always. I wrote here in my notes, sometimes you gotta go to Atlanta to get to New York. <laughs> if you've ever flown out of Charlotte, I had a flight one time to New York, and we went to Atlanta. And the whole time we're flying to Atlanta, I'm thinking, we're going in the opposite direction. <laughs> Sometimes you have to go the opposite direction. Sometimes you have to wait. But it's all part of God's plan. For some of you right now, you're looking at your life and you're going, I feel like I'm further away to what God's called me to and promised in my life than I was before. And how can this be a part of God's plan? And yet here it is, right here in the scriptures. God has a plan. He has a path for you. And that's why the psalmist said, this is so important, Lord, teach me, teach me to follow your path. Order my steps, Lord, that every single step I take would be closer to you. It might be further away than where I think I need to be, but it's actually walking closer to you. 
And especially when I, I'm going the opposite direction, when I'm sitting in Atlanta and I'm waiting, God, help me to know that you're close, that this is a part of your plan. I'm, I'm talking to somebody today. Where you feel like you're in Atlanta, you feel like you're further away from the, the destination and the goal and the purpose than where you started. But it's a part of God's plan to work and develop and to, to be with you and to develop trust and faith and hope and prepare you for his yes. And look what happens next in the passage. The yes comes. The, the go comes. Look at verses 9 and 10. A vision comes to Paul at night. And it's a vision not of a, a cityscape or a landscape. It's a vision of a person because God calls people to people. If you're a child of God, then you're called to, to give that message of hope and love and grace to other people. God's called you as a people. We're a people of God to other people. And I love in this passage, it's beautiful that God uses a Macedonian man who speaks with a Macedonian accent, who looks like a Macedonian, to come to Paul and to say, would you come over here and do what? Would you help us? Would you help us? What, what is the gift that we have to offer people? Everyone watch this. What is the gift? What do we have to offer to people? Jesus. The Macedonian man says, come over here and help us. He doesn't say, bring your checkbook. He doesn't say, bring all your experiences and, all your, all, uh, and everything. He says, would you just bring Jesus over here? Would you share with us, would you help us with all that God has helped you with, how he's grown you, how he's loved you? God calls people to people. And here's the thing, guys. This is beautiful. That yes, everyone watch this. This yes that happens in verse 9 makes all the no's and the waits worth it. <laughs> it didn't make sense when we were going through it. Why would God say no to going left? There's plenty of people down here that need to know about Jesus. Why would God say no to going to Bithynia, to this other place? There's plenty of people up here that need to know, know Jesus. Why would we get to Troas and sit here and wait when there's plenty of people that need to know about Christ? Because a divine yes is coming. The right yes is coming in your life. And you don't want to miss it. And again, the gateway to God's best, to his yes in your life, comes through many painful, disappointing, confusing, frustrating no's and waits. Here's the bottom line today from this passage that I want all of us as a church to remember, to carry with us from Acts 16. No, no, wait, go. And I don't know why God has to say no to us twice. Maybe that says something about us. No, no, wait, go. For some of you right now, you're in a season of your life and you know it. You are in a season of your life where God is clearly saying no. And here's your instinct. You want to bust the doors down. I just, I, I know you're saying no, but there's people down here at Ephesus that need to know about Jesus. There's good things that'll happen and God's saying, no, it's not my best. It's not my best for you. It's not my time for you. Do you have the courage? Do you have the faith? Do you have the trust to, to believe him that that no is a divine no? For some of you right now, you're in a season of your life where you're waiting. And here's the thing, I can't foot stomp it enough. When you're waiting on the Lord, waiting time is never, ever, 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 ever wasted time. God has every single moment planned out. He's never, ever late. If you're trusting the Lord, everyone watch this. If you're trusting in the Lord, you're not going to miss out. Some of us have so much FOMO. We are so afraid of missing out on everything. If you're trusting the Lord and you're fixing your eyes on Jesus, you don't have to worry about missing out. 
you're never going to miss out. God's going to make sure of that. He has your best in mind. He loves you. He sees the whole parade route from start to finish. We're just on the one float. He sees the whole thing. He sees it. Some of you right now are in Troas. You're in the port city. You're in Troas. You're in Atlanta. You're waiting. I'm not sure where I'm supposed to be going. Trust the Lord. It's an opportunity where God is inviting you to hold his hand and that he would be enough for you. Is Jesus enough for you? Is he enough? For some of you, God is saying, go. He's saying, green light, green light, green light. Some of Jesus' final words began with the one word, go. Go into all the world and make disciples. There are things in the Bible that God has already said, green light, green light, green light, go. So what do we do when God is saying no and wait? We go with the things that God's already called us to. We keep walking in the way that God has already clearly called us to. Some of you right now, you know that God has said go. He's told you to move. He's told you to take a step, and you're just afraid. And that's okay to be afraid, but it's not okay to just stay there. It's not okay to wait. Look at verses 10. Look at verse 10. After the vision comes to Paul, what, what word did I tell you to underline and highlight? Immediately. Immediately they got on a boat, they crossed the Aegean Sea, they stepped foot for the first time in the name of Jesus onto a brand new continent called Europe. They went to a place called Philippi. They established a church in Berea. They went to Thessalonica. They went to Athens. They went to Corinth. All of these amazing places. And you know, want to know why? Because they listened to God saying, no, no, and wait. And finally it was go, green light. So I don't know where you are today, but here's what I do know for each of us that God's calling us to listen and to obey. In the Hebrew language, the same word for listen is the same word for, for obey. Did you know that? The word is shema. Listen and obey. This is great parents and grandparents. <laughs> that, you're, that you wouldn't just listen, but you would also obey. They're one and the same. When I hear, I obey. When I hear, I step. Lord, would you order my steps? Help me to hear you. Help me to be willing to obey. This team, Paul and Silas, Timothy, and by the way, the first uh, time here, the first person plural pronoun is used in verse 10. That's a mouthful. We, we, Luke writes here, and when Paul had seen the vision immediately, there it is, first time in the book of Acts. We, what does that tell us? Our brother Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, is on the journey, he's on the team. He's joined them now, and he's giving us an eyewitness account. I was there. I was in Troas. I was there when the Holy Spirit said no. I was there when the Spirit of Christ said no. I was there when Paul received the vision after we were waiting, and I was there when we stepped foot into Europe, and God said, go. So many incredible things are about to take place in this second missionary journey, and you'll have to come back next week to hear more about them. <laughs> Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. What a wonderful gift it is to each of us today. Thank you for your truth. May your truth be rooted, rooted deep, deeply in our hearts today. Would it take root in our lives? Would it take root in our doubts? Would it take root in our fears? For those of us who are hearing the Holy Spirit say to us even now, no, no, would we listen and obey? For those of us right now that are waiting, we're in Troas right now, we're waiting on you to speak, God. We trust you because we know that waiting time is never wasted time. 
For those of us that you've spoken clearly to, that you're saying go, that you've given us a vision, may we have the courage to step out. May we shma, may we listen, may we obey. So God, give us the wisdom to know what you're saying to us today, individually, to our hearts. And would you now, God, give us the courage to step out and obey. It's for your glory that we pray this. And all God's people said together, amen. amen.